Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast details true crime cases. It contains adult themes and may contain descriptions of violence. It is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and Happy New Year. We're starting off the new year with a special episode for all of you. One of the most popular episodes of this podcast, which was actually released as a two-parter way back in the day, was a story about a woman by the name of Jodi Arias. Now, of course, to most of you who follow true crime, this name is somewhat infamous. And I'll just give you a really brief little summary so you can just kind of recollect what happened in this case. In 2008, a 30-year-old man named Travis Alexander was brutally murdered in his home in Mesa, Arizona. His ex-girlfriend, Jody Arias, was convicted for this slaying in 2013 and later sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. A new Lifetime movie being aired for the first time this weekend tells the behind-the-scenes story of Jody's life behind bars. In this follow-up to one of Lifetime's most successful true crime dramas, Jody Arias' Dirty Little Secret, we will see a whole new side of Jody and follow the story that has captivated our audience for nearly a decade. Jody Arias' Bad Behind Bars is produced for Lifetime by Cineflex Productions. And it premieres, like I said, this Saturday, January 21st at 8, 7 Central. Selena Sindin is the actress who stars in the new movie as Jody, who has just been arrested and sent to prison while she awaits trial for murdering her boyfriend, Travis Alexander. When she arrives in jail, Jody charms her way through prison and befriends a couple, Donovan Baring and Tracy Brown. The three women become friends, and Jody quickly inserts herself in their relationship and later manipulates them to do her bidding. And as we'll see in the movie, they're not the only ones who fall prey to Jody's devious charms. Donovan was released from prison as Jody's trial drew near, and she had agreed to be Jody's supporter on the outside by posting on her social media pages and defending her friend to the world. But when the details of the case and Jody's story were no longer adding up and Donovan refused to continue to do her former friend's bidding, Jody's vengeful side emerged. So I'm very excited to introduce Donovan Baring as my special guest, who can describe for us the real Jody Arias and the story we think we all know, but perhaps no one knows as well as she does. So welcome, Donovan. I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. On the call with me also, because she is also fascinated by the Jody Arias case and has spent time along with me researching it, is my sidekick, my partner in crime, and my co-producer, Lorena. Hey, Lorena. Hey, Esther. Happy New Year, everyone. And Donovan, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I guess we want to just start with 
a little bit of a timeline, Donovan. Um, I know that we we watched the movie and both Lorena and I this morning were trying to figure out, okay, so how did things happen? Because what I was trying to get straight in my head was, so when you first met her, she was in jail awaiting like her trial, correct? Like she hadn't yet gone through that. So I think there was like kind of two parts to this where part of it, she was, you know, sitting in jail waiting, you know, her for her trial to begin and all of that. But then later on, it was in another setting. Is that correct? Or maybe you could just tell us a little bit of how you met her, where, and the timeline of that. I, I met her when she, um, I first brought her in when she was being brought back to California and they were starting to in, investigate her involvement. So I met her when she um, first came in and we immediately became friends immediately because we both were kind of um, nervous and skippy in there. And we just kind of drew to each other. We played cards and things like that and got to know each other. But I didn't know what she was in there for at first. She was very secretive. So I have a question. Um, in the film, we see that Tracy is her cellmate. Is that how you guys became friends instantly? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's true. So that is true. Okay. Yes, it is. Yeah. So I, I guess my my question then to begin with is you said, you know, you immediately connected. What was your first impression of her? Like what, I guess two parts. What was your first impression of her and what was kind of the buzz, <laughs> if I can use that word, um, when she came in? Because in the movie, it kind of shows that people were against her right away. They thought she was a snitch or something like that. Um, tell yes. us a little bit about like, the first impressions of her and, and how she came across. Well, when she first came in, she came across... That's right. People thought she was a snitch that she'd been brought in because she was this very, very quiet. We were trying to put together what she was in there for because she was very secretive. Nobody knew. So that's why the first impression of that she was being brought in to find out information on people's cases. Um, so that's why we thought that. But she was very quiet. She st stayed to herself and she seemed kind of scared. So she just was very to herself, never really... Um, push herself onto anybody and just um, stay to herself. So, so did she reach out to you first or did you kind of like reach out to her? Like make well, a, an overture? She was like, cellmates to Tracy. So I got to know her because Tracy would come down all the time. We'd spend time together. So we started playing cards and she started coming down and to watch TV with me. And um, that's how we kind of got to know each other because she was cellmates with Tracy. So of course I saw her and spent time with her. But at first, try and get along with her because she didn't know why she was in there for she was very hesitant and very concerned about why she was in there so when did she actually start sharing with you like how soon after you met her did she start sharing with you anything about her case um it was when she started doing interviews she started being taken out at all times that all different times she was being brought out of the cell and then we were trying to figure out what she was in there for we knew it had to be something major after a while because of how she was being treated. And then at, at, I didn't get to know exactly what was going on until probably um, a good three weeks maybe when she was in there because she started talking to Tracy and then they started opening up about that. And then I got to know more about what was going on. She didn't really open up a lot because she was told not to talk about her case, but then she started getting into with her family and stuff and having visits. You know, and that that was so odd to me because you're saying that, you know, it, nobody really knew because on the outside, of course, this was a huge story, right? It was, it was a story, it was in the news, it was, you know, and then of course, when a trial 
began, it became even bigger because it was televised and all of that. But even at the time, I believe it was a pretty, you know, big story, at least in Arizona. And then it kind of grew even bigger than that. Right. So yeah. that was, that's strange that, that how, how is that, that nobody knew Did they keep things pretty like you guys don't have access to, we have know, no access news? to, we have no access to the news in there. They keep wow. things very quiet. You don't get to watch the news. You don't get to hear what's going on. And unless somebody was to go to court with her or sit in on some, one of her, um, hearings, nobody would know. So we, we, you're kept quiet. Like you said, there's no news. You don't get to watch the news in there on TV. So none of us had any idea of what she was in there for, even though it was big on the outside, us on the inside had no idea. Yeah. That, I guess that was surprising to me. Was it surprising to you, Lorena, when you? Yeah, that? definitely. Especially I was, gosh, 2008, I was still in high school when this happened. And that's kind of, I Please. mean, even before, <laughs> even before, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even, um, you know, before I got this job and stuff, I've always been super into true crime. So I remember that was huge. I'm actually from Siskiyou County. My brother-in-law actually went to school with Jody Arias. Um, from Wairika. I had gone to the restaurant that her family owned in Wairika. It's about 20 miles north of where I grew up in Siskiyou County. So very Northern California. So it was a big deal. Um, I remember, you know, I uh, Interstate 5, the long interstate that goes through California, just so many um, media news outlet trucks going up the highway, heading up to Wairika, very small county and it was huge um the poor family what they all had to go through was wild um and yeah I remember my brother-in-law being like I remember her in school and yeah she was very quiet you know she wasn't anything like she wasn't a bad kid or anything so it was a wild story when we found out about it we we all were floored we couldn't we could not believe that this individual that came in there that was so timid so so quiet just seemed so did not fit the crime at all. In our eyes, when you're in there, she was did not fit the role. So we were all very floored when the information started coming out of what she was really in there for. I just have one question. Um, I mean, I, I've never been to prison. Would you say like you guys were open to, you know, meeting new friends in prison? So when she came in, was it like, hey, let's welcome her with open arms? Or was it like, we don't know what she's in for. So let's kind of keep our distance at first. It was keeping the distance everybody kept the distance because they didn't know like i said they didn't know what she was in there for they didn't know if she was a plant or a snitch so everybody pretty much stayed away from her and didn't want anything to do with her they wanted her out of there gotcha okay yeah it, it, and that's the thing it seems like at least the movie portrays is that and also news reports that we got because we did see some of the interviews because we were you know here we, we watched some of the interviews and and Lorena was just talking about watching an older one that came out but what we see is that, like you said, she comes in, she presents as very timid, very shy, very scared, very, you know, all of those things. Um, but then did you feel like it switched, like her her attitude or her, her persona switched a little bit when she started being like interviewed, like almost what they kind of show is that she really enjoyed that. And she almost, almost kind of gloated in it that people were um, interviewing her, then it was, a, it was still a secret, but you know, you could tell that in the movie, it kind of shows her almost, um, cocky in a way. D did you get any of yeah. that? Was that any true? Yes. She loved being interviewed and she was worn nice. She would, Tracy would tell her not to talk about it, not to do these interviews, but she, 
Jody loved it. She loved the attention. She loved making sure she had her makeup, that she looked just right. It's almost like she was a movie star. She, she loved the attention. And did that, that carry over into how she treated like you guys or, or the way she acted while she, when she was there, um, you know, in, in the jail around everybody else? Um, she still stayed quiet and, you know, she never discussed with anybody else, even though people started realizing what she was in there for, she stayed to herself. And when she would go out, people knew when she was going out to do interviews and that because the way she would act, she would come back and she would talk. Of course, she would talk about who she just talked to and what she what what they were talking about. But it only did open up to a few people like myself and Tracy and everybody else. She stayed really quiet, too. So that was probably pretty smart, right? Because I think yes. you can make enemies there if you, you're you're going around acting like, you know, you're you're big shot or something like that. Yes. Yeah. So so then she starts to tell you the story, I guess, because of course now information's coming out of, you know, that there was a murder or something. And I guess her story at first, you know, well, we know on the outside, like her story changed several times. So yes. what did she first tell you and Tracy about what happened or why she was there? She started out with the intruders, that there were intruders that came in. She did the ninja story wow. to where the people yeah. that people were dressed up and that it wasn't her and that she, that she she got away from it, that her life was saved. And then she started, when things started coming out, then she would start changing her story. But then you got to understand, I started getting close to the family, started meeting her family and stuff. Was that when you were still in jail or was that later on? That's that was a question I had, too. Um, I vaguely got to know them while I was in prison. And then, of course, things got when I got out was when we agreed to meet up and everything, because it was arranged while I was in prison that I was going to hook up with her mom and stuff when I got out of jail. That was one of the things I was really interested to to ask you about, um, because we know a little bit about her family, but we know that she told a lot of stories about them that, you know, basically were false, like she said about a lot of things. So was that the thing that kind of started to make you doubt or was that way later on? What was the first thing that kind of make you made you doubt what she was telling you? When she was telling stories, when I saw her being so vindictive towards her family, if they, they didn't do certain things that she wanted and she'd become very vindictive, she would turn on them very quickly. It didn't phase her to threaten them or to, it, it just was a side to her. It was like a light switch would just flip. And I started getting kind of hesitant, wondering, you know, was she really this person that she came across as being? Because it's just, just the way she would treat her mom or treat her dad or just in general, or she would treat me if things didn't go the way she wanted it to go. That right there, I think, is the key to like what I think you told in this story you know, about her and that what's portrayed in the movie. And something that I had picked up on way back when, when I covered this case, because I did, you know, what, I mean, from the information that I could get not knowing her, you know, from the outside was, was just the stories that people had told over the, you know, over during the time during the trial, like things that you'd heard from her parent, her family or friends or ex-boyfriends or whoever was around her. There was this really, there, like you said, this light switch. I think that's the perfect way to phrase it that you, the way you said it, because what it seemed like, what we saw um, in her life and what you guys saw up close and personal, because you, when you were in there with her, was that she could be seem very charming and she could seem very nice and friendly and all of those things. 
but the whole time she's working on getting you to do what she wants you to do. And then when at, at any moment, and the same thing, I, what I, this is what I picked up even with her family way at the beginning was that as soon as they did something that went against what she wanted, she would say you betrayed her. And once you betrayed yeah. her, you were her enemy. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, that's perfect. That's, that's, well, perfect. You hit it right on. That's exactly what would happen. If she felt you betrayed her, she had a wrath. She would do, she, she had a, a big following. She did. She had a lot of followers and a lot of them, you know, weren't exactly the nicest. And she would, if you, she felt you betrayed her, she would, she would attack. It was, I was pretty much the easiest way of saying it is she would attack. So wow. she had, she had people that would do things for her if she knew that they weren't the nicest things, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I got turned on if I didn't do certain things to her and it was horrible because you started seeing a side, things started changing when things started getting further along and you would just, like I said, it was back to the light switch. You would just see that she was fine. She was a certain way as long as she did everything she wanted. She was perfect. She was this perfect individual. But the minute you started to question or not wanting to do certain things, then you saw a different side to her. On episode 43 of Once Upon a Crime, I covered the case of the murder of Travis Alexander by Jody Arias. The title of the series was A Woman Scorned, and I told Arias' story in two parts. When Jody was just a teen, her parents admonished her about a silly teenage transgression. I described Jody's over-the-top response to this so-called betrayal by her parents in this audio clip from part one. Jody was a good student and didn't get into trouble. That is, until she was about 14 years old. That year, it was discovered by her parents that she and her friend Patty were growing a marijuana plant on the roof of the area's house. It was just one of those silly things that young teens do. But Bill and Sandra were angry and also alarmed. They felt that this kind of incident could lead their daughter down the wrong path, so they decided to try and scare her straight. They called the sheriff's office and turned their daughter in. The officer arrived, and while he just gave the girls a stern lecture, probably believing this was all they needed to learn their lesson, Jody's reaction was one of immediate anger towards her parents. She felt betrayed by them, she told friends, and now she hated them. After that, Jody became paranoid, believing that her parents were constantly snooping on her. She stopped talking to them except to accuse them of spying on her. Her parents would later say that they did not snoop on her after the first incident, but Jody became more secretive and began to lie to her parents about simple things. She would also fly into rages, especially towards her mother, and even was physically violent with her on occasion, kicking her once and pushing her. Before Donovan was released from jail, Jody got her to agree to be her mouthpiece on the outside. She wanted Donovan to spread the word of her so-called innocence in the murder of Travis Alexander. Donovan registered and ran Jody's social media accounts on Facebook and Twitter and gave interviews to media outlets at Jody's direction. That was a question yeah. I had. Like, were these people that were like writing to her? Like, how did she get connected with these people? Do you know? Oh, people started, she had like a fan club. People started, people started out of the woodwork and started being her like fan club. 
she started having these followers and these people that wanted to um they would do anything she wanted they would send her money they would send her books anything you know that she needed she could reach out to them and some of them weren't the nicest people wow so you really wanted you were being threatened in real life absolutely yes yes and so it had to be at her at her urging right it had to be she because she they were following her they're following what she wanted so it had to be i mean initially oh, yeah. from her mm-hmm. yeah and she easily could have put a stop to a lot of it but she wouldn't wow mm-hmm. so a lot of this was going on with people that were as you call them her followers as you would say she could have mm-hmm. put a stop to a lot of it but she didn't how would you deal with that like would it were your hands just tied that you're like, I have to make this, you know, I have to tweet this now. Or were you kind of at that point, just so fed up that you were taking it or like, how, how did you deal with it at that time? It got to where eventually I stopped, uh, stopped doing it. When she started turning on her, her, her family, then I couldn't, I couldn't tolerate it anymore. Gotcha. I just couldn't. So I, I locked myself out of the, locked the account where nobody could get it. And I wouldn't post the stuff anymore that she wanted me to post. I called it the wrath of Jody. And you got to remember, Tracy was her roommate too. So Tracy would guide me too and to make sure she would try to make sure that I was protected. So it was a, it was when it's, it was a really strange situation when I look back on it because so many things were allowed to happen. That's one of the things I was going to ask you because we had heard rumors about this and it I guess it kind of hinted that, but not quite in the movie. Did you see that she was doing, uh, getting, you know, in, I guess relationships or some kind of, some kind of exchange with guards in, in prison there, that she was getting extra privileges? Was there something like that you guys know about that? Or was oh, that yeah. true? In, in jail. Yeah, that was true. She got special, she got, she got special th- treatment. Yes. And he, and she was, she was again cellmates with Tracy and they would get special treatments at nighttime and the lights would go out and things like that. It was, it was true. She got, she developed relationships with the, not that I ever see it. No, you never saw it. Everything's always kept private. But um, as for the rumors about it, yes, it was true. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, you know, she has a little bit more, I guess you could say power because, because of her notoriety, right? Because, this was such a big story. And because she had, like you said, these followers, which is something that we didn't really know here on the outside. She has all of these followers. That to me was the most surprising thing about the movie, but that she had these people on the outside doing these things for her or, you know, doing things like, you know, the guy that's doing all the computer stuff or, you know, all of these yeah. things. Yeah. We had no idea about that. So this is, this is pretty eye opening about how that, so people have to watch the movie to get the details of it, but it's pretty interesting to see but it makes sense because it was such a big case and people were following it. And, you know, it doesn't matter. It's what we found here in true crime. It doesn't matter how the terrible Amos. things people have done, yes. if they have some kind of like infamy or they're known or they're considered like a celebrity and people want to be around them. It's just, it's, yeah. it's a crazy thing, but it's true. Right. Yeah. And you got to experience that firsthand of how that plays out in real life. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I used to have I used to have people get a hold of me that wanted to get in touch with her or wanted to do stuff for her. She wanted me to contact certain people, you know, like famous people themselves that she wanted me to contact because she thought that they'd want to talk to her or interview her. So she was like a celebrity. 
Yeah. So, and I also wanted to to go backwards because you, you, you talked about her family and that was something that was really interesting to me because we didn't know a lot about her family. Of course, we know they were in court all the time, you know, um, they're in court supporting her. Um, and they just seemed like the way that I, that I kind of, uh, came to know just when I was doing research on it just seemed to be a normal family who loved their kids did the best they could, worked hard. That's the impression I got. What was the impression you got? In, you know, because you you became friends with them, you got to know them well. What was your impression of the 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 Arias family, her parents? It was they were a typical family. They did everything. For, I mean, the mom stood behind her daughter. Um, I mean, she was there every day that she could be there in court. You know, you, they lost the, everything. I mean, they were they lost their business. They lost friends. They lost so much because of what because of what Jody was accused of doing. Family was a normal family. The mom was a typical mom, like I said, didn't would do anything for her kids. The dad was, you know, had his illness and stuff and was dealing with that. But at the same time, Jody played on that. So you said her mom was very supportive of her, but what sense did you get from her her family about what kind of person Jody was? And was that surprising to you or did they share any of that with you you know of course I learned about the troubles that Jody had you know that she wasn't this as she came across as this prim and proper individual but um I I got to learn you know about things and that she was growing up and and the things that you know typical and I say a typical child I didn't I only I was told a lot of stuff that come to find out towards the end wasn't true but um i think that the family was did, did what they could to protect her but at the same time didn't realize that their life was going to be torn upside down yeah you know that that's that's so crazy to me because you're, you're saying on the one hand jody had all of these supporters who would do anything for her and that you know all of this and yet her family is out here who did nothing you know they're not they're not the ones that killed travis alexander and they're, you know, they're, they're losing their business. They're getting, you know, all kinds of hate from people and think it's just so weird how this, how people do this to, you know, families of these people. It's, you know, not, and it's not their doing, it's not their fault. Um, it just seems really unfair. So it seemed like you kind of switched your allegiance from Jody to her parents because they're the ones that were really the victims, right? Yes, yes, yes. Especially when Jody started attacking them. And then I started seeing what she was doing. She and then that's when I it bothered me because because her family suffered so much. Her other siblings and them suffered horribly. I mean, it just seemed so so weird of all the the backlash that they were getting. And like you said, they weren't they didn't have anything to do with it. It was a child that did it. Right. What was Jody's response to everything that her parents were going through? Did she ever? you know, try to show remorse or, or, or make it up to them in any way or anything no, like that? No, she didn't care. No, she didn't care because a lot of times she would cause trouble for them. She didn't care. If they didn't, if they didn't play along, she would, she had her own people that would turn on them. She didn't care. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's um, crazy. And, you know, and something like that, you would, you would typically think, oh, well, the parents must've been horrible to her or whatever, but you never found any of that to be true. Correct. No, I didn't. And then yeah. when she started attacking, when she started attacking them and started certain accusations and stuff, is when I started really realizing and pulling away. Yeah, the things is that things just weren't right. Once you started you think- pulling away, did 
did she catch on to that quickly and then the threats and stuff started yes quickly wow so yes. she's yeah she she knows what she's doing then yeah oh yeah she knew she knew do you think did her parents did they characterize her like kind of as a problem child or was it just like you know it's just normal stuff we don't know why she would do something you know like this or why she acts out this way what what was your impression of of kind of what they thought about you know Jody as their their child growing up Jody caused them some hassles you know I want to say she was a typical um teenager but she wasn't because a typical teenager doesn't do what she was doing I would hear stories of things that she did from the person that first came into the jail to the person that I started to know and started to, to know not only through herself but through her parents and stuff was there was two different people yeah, that's 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 pretty clear from every everything that we've learned about her is there's definitely two different people um, that live inside. And it's so she and she, like you said, switch it back and forth as needed to get what she wants or to try to manipulate people. And then she even turned on them, you know, yes, and said were abusive and, you know, told these these terrible stories about how they would abuse her and things like that. And that was something you you believe that she had kind of gleaned from other stories you heard, like Tracy's um, life or other people's, right? Like she kind of yes. picked those people's stories and turned it into her own to to get sympathy. Is that right? yes, she did, yes, she did. And her and Tracy would spend a lot of times talking, and there's it really when it started. She started talking about the abuse and stuff was after she had a little. Her and Tracy became very very good friends. And then she started playing the abuse part of it because um, that fit in at the time frame of uh, could help her out. Jody Arias gave several versions of the events on the day Travis was murdered, beginning when she was first interviewed by the police. Here's a clip from part two of the Jody Arias story on Once Upon a Crime, describing her various versions. Now Jody's story had changed three times. First, she said she wasn't present when the murder took place. Second, she said she had been there, but masked intruders had killed him. And finally, she had admitted she had been there and she had killed him, but only in self-defense. Now, three years after her arrest and three versions later, the defense offered to take a plea deal. Arias would plead guilty to second-degree murder in exchange for a specific term serving from 10 to 22 years in prison. The prosecution said no dice. They were not willing to negotiate and believed they had all the evidence they needed to prove Arias guilty of premeditated murder. So you were released before Tracy. Um, did you feel like there was kind of like a strain on your relationship with Tracy? Like you were on the outside hearing all and like seeing everything that was going on, but yet Tracy was still on the inside with her. And she was still, you know, growing this relationship with Jody. Do you feel like there was kind of a strain there between the two of you? Trey's very protective of me. She wanted me to stop. She wanted me to get out way sooner than I did. Because she, she saw stuff that was going on that I didn't see. And Tracy went to prison before Jody did because Jody stayed in, in county jail up until when she was sentenced for years. So, but Tracy knew things and saw things and wanted me tried protecting me tried getting me out of the whole thing because she saw what was going on gotcha so if anything it made your relationship stronger yes it did awesome that's awesome when was the last time that you um talked to her or had any contact with jody arias it was after her sentencing 
Okay. So after her sentencing, did she contact you? I assume she did. She contacted you. Yes, she did. She contacted me. And at that point, you weren't you weren't responding to her before that. Was she just trying to get back, you know, to get you to talk to her again, or or what was the scenario? Well, we had our, we had a couple of falling outs to where I would come, I came back and started talking started talking to her again. But as for doing her stuff, she had found other people to do her to do her as I call do her bidding. Mm-hmm. She had found other people that would um would do stuff that I wouldn't do for her. So I was mainly there for her, for her mom and her family, not, not more for Jody. I was there for her family because wow. I watched her. I watched her mom go through this horrible, you know, losing everything they had. At what point um, was it still during the trial or was it until the sentencing that you finally came to terms that she was guilty? Um, before the sentencing, I really, she was guilty because, of course, because, you know, she said that she had, she had told us that what she had done. And everybody knew that she had done it, but it was, like I said, I stayed there for her mom. Gotcha. Because I saw her mom, like I said, I saw her mom go through such horrible things, her and her dad. Mm-hmm. And I was there for, I was there for them because Jody didn't care one way or the other what, uh, what happened. Are both of her parents still living now? No, no. Her father passed away. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought one of them had passed. So are you still in contact with her mother? Are you still friends? No, no, I don't. No. So you just no. you just distance yourself in this kind of no, I totally distance myself. Yeah. And how and so I, I wouldn't like how are you doing now? How, how yeah. what's what's how I mean, are you obviously you've got this very exciting thing with the movie and everything. So I'll you've been keeping busy for sure. So how yeah. how are you doing? What's what's going on for uh I'm doing okay. Yeah. I'm doing okay. Yeah, I lost my wife, she passed away. I'm oh. so sorry. Yeah, so yeah, she passed away last month. So oh, this is kind of like, this is kind of like, a. I don't know. I'm, 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 it's something I'm really proud of this movie. You should be and it's very like, proud. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. It tells your, your story with her and that you have that, you know, you'll have that. So it's, and it's a very, yeah, it's very, it's a very loving story too. I really enjoyed that part of, you know, of that, like you guys went through so much together, but you stayed, you know, strong for each other and uh, you know, watched out for each other and that was really amazing so you know and that's not something everybody can say that they get to have in their life so you're very blessed that way for sure yeah tracy had tracy went through a lot of because of jody she went through a lot of stuff when she was in prison she got repercussions from uh, um from me being involved with jody and stuff and being involved with her family but we stuck strong through it and like i said even though tracy was in prison and all this was going on she still made sure she had my back was telling me, you know, looking out for me. Yeah. Watching out for you, of course, you know, and, yeah. and wanting, you know, and, and of course you wanted the best for her as well. So that's, that's yes. amazing. I guess my last question is how do you think if Jody, Jody sees this, how was she going to respond to you oh, know, your story? I don't know. To be honest, I went, I've wondered that myself. I'm sure she's going to be mad because I took away it. She's thinking that I'm, you know, getting famous as she puts it on her you know over because of her but i don't know i hope that i really would hope that she would see that something good came out of it i guess is me and tracy's whole part of it that we were still together we stayed together through all of it to this day i still get falling out with haters and i call them haters will contact me and stuff and because of that they say i turned on jody and this and that but 
it's something that I hope that I'm going to have forever. I, I, I had an amazing wife. I got a good relationship and I, and I learned a lot about myself through it all. Definitely. That's one thing that I really enjoyed about the film. Obviously this case captured the nation because of, it was essentially, you know, everything, sex, beautiful woman, attractive man, uh, brutal murder. Everybody was captivated by it, but this story told it from a whole different side. It wasn't even Jody's side. It was your story. And I, nobody, I honestly didn't know about it until Tracy Speed reached out to us and I had no idea. So just to see it from a whole different angle is what I really enjoyed about the film. And I think they portrayed it pretty well especially now speaking to you and a lot of it seems like it was the truth you know yes, um, it was. you know in the beginning it says some things were altered be- to for dramatical purposes or whatever but after speaking to you it sounds like it was pretty spot on yes it was that's awesome yeah. that's great you know and i and i'm I really uh, i'm gonna encourage people to watch it because i think it, it tells a really interesting side like you said we haven't seen and also it tells a, a love story which everybody loves you know is a love yes. story so that that's that's a great part of it as well, and um and just to see this the strength that you know you guys had at going through this, and you know you said that you hope that she sees that something good would come out of this, but I, I got a feeling that Jody Arias is not, it's no. not a person geared to see the good, you know, in things like this unless it benefits her. I don't think she cares, like you said, she just doesn't care. Um, but you know, I think that the world does, I think that they do. And I think that they'll really enjoy seeing this side of the story and getting to know a little bit more about Jody Arias. And, you know, it's really uh, amazing to me. There are still people that support her. That will, that will, uh, that will never, never going to end. It'll never end. She, she has, she has so many followers and it, it amazes me to this day. Yeah. I mean, what what is it that could they see in that that they would want to follow is but you know it it takes all kinds i guess you know when you can but i just want to thank you and thank you so much for uh, donovan for coming on for telling us your story for sharing your story when i was just with us but with with the world i think it's uh it's a it's it's something that i know that my listeners are gonna be really interested in and uh and uh, the movie was really well done i'm glad to hear like lorena said that it really stuck closely to the facts of of your true story so that that's that's great and um and yeah just thank you so much thank you so much well, and you. you know condolences for for your loss um thank but you. you know i'm just I'm amazed that you know and 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 happy that you had such a, a wonderful life with tracy so um, thank so, yeah, you so, so much for having me that will do it for this episode of once upon a crime i'd like to thank my special guest donovan bearing for being on the show Make sure to set your DVRs and watch Bad Behind Bars, Jody Arias, premiering this Saturday, January 21st at 8, 7 central on Lifetime. Once Upon a Crime is written and produced by me, Esther Ludlow. My research and production assistant is Lorena Garcia. I hope you'll come back next week when we kick off our very first series of 2023. And this one's a doozy, a really bizarre true crime story. You won't want to miss it. Until next time, be good to one another.